Hi and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang and you're listening to the TL podcast where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. How are we all? Good to see you as always. Yep. Except for Chris. <laughs> you beat me to that one, man. <laughs> Thomas, can you cheer up? I'm not carrying you for the whole hour, mate. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm cheering up, man. I'm cheering up. Wake up. All right. Three stars today, mate. We're going to be precise with what we say. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know I start off every week with saying how fucked this book is, but can I just say for the tenth time, because that's what we're all up to, this book is fucked. Um, Jordan be Peterson, precise, be precise in your speech, mate. Jordan precise. Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life: An Antidote to Chaos. Rule number ten: Be precise in your speech. Well, thanks, Jordan. Thank you very much. <laughs> Anything else? We good? Ending chapter. I'll see you later. Goodbye. <laughs> Fucking hell. So. You'd think with a four-word title or five-word title, I can't even count, we might have been in for something a little less um, uh, uh, linguistically challenging and, and uh, mindset bending. But no, he talked about superheroes and vampires for the first half of the chapter and then not getting laid during marriage for the second half. So there we go. What we start, he started with a computer. Laptop. So what, what's the story with a laptop? Meg? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was a last minute crammer for this chapter, so I'm, I'm oh. <laughs> um no, I think I don't know, I think from the laptop perspective, he was sort of talking about, I guess, the fact that in life things are gonna come and go. Um that that was the the sort of interpretation I took of it. Um, and the, the things that we've got in front of us today aren't necessarily going to be um, there in the future at any point in time. And it could be for the fact that even the laptops that still have a good screen, still have a good battery, still have all the right specs, we will still get rid of them in a short space of time because that is the world that we're in. What the fuck has that got to do with being precise with your speech? Because I've still got no idea. <laughs> You didn't ask me about that. You asked me about what's to go with the laptop. I'm asking anybody because the laptop thing made no sense. Saying the laptop's an extension of ourselves and things, we we often make things in life an extension of ourselves, but I still don't know how that ties into the end goal, which we'll get to in a second. What what I think he was getting at with the laptop is he he says that a little bit after he's talking about laptop, that we see things as, um, as tools or obstacles. And... I think the analogy with the laptop is, is a lot of us, like Megs was saying, is we'll throw away a perfectly good laptop thinking that the next laptop will do so much better. But it's only as good as the information you put in is the information that you're going to get out. So the information that you put into your laptop must be very precise if you want the information to be right on the other side. For me, uh, and I don't know if I took it the wrong way, I was took this more of a... Because I had no idea about the superheroes, the vampires, and not getting laid. I didn't know. I had 
little understanding of what he was talking about that in the book. However, uh, is that a brag, mate? No, 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 I don't know anything about not getting laid. <laughs> Hang on, mate. <laughs> Calm down. Know. No, I'm not a virgin. My face is fucked. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so what, what I got from it was, I think he's trying to make the analogy between our own consciousness, our own mind, our own being with the laptop saying, if we're going to put, if we expect good things from ourselves, we need to be putting the good stuff in. Um, shit in, shit out. Um, I think Thomas was saying it yesterday when we had a chat. Good stuff in, good stuff out. I think it's the same analogy with the laptop. But we've also got to know that we can improve ourselves in, in that aspect in relation to that laptop. Rather than going and buying a laptop, a new laptop, you can upgrade your laptop. You can upgrade your, yourself, your mind, your, your awareness and so forth. And the, sort of that's the side I went to it, is be precise in what you're telling yourself, um, number one. And then number two, externally, uh, and it comes down to that relationship period, is be precise in, in, your, in your relationships with people. Um, a, a thought come to my head, and I, I, I don't know where I thought it. But... <laughs> uh, it was okay. Are you okay? See, <laughs> one day of one day of association, and all of a sudden, Chris <laughs> is having thoughts. Hey, what are we you doing know, here? I, I don't know where I saw it. It was about the artillery um, and them reporting coordinates back to the artillery guys, and then firing that artillery amongst chaos. And that information needs to be precise. Like a, a degree off here and a, a degree off there could mean the killing of a whole platalion, you know. Uh, so it's a platalion. Hey? What's a platalion? Platoon, platalion, what is it? I'm glad, you're being, precise. I'm glad you're being precise. Platalion, <laughs> what do you call it? It's a battalion or a platoon. You can't have okay. both. No, no, in the Italian army, they combined them. <laughs> Sounds like pasta. <laughs> so, but that information needs to be precise amongst all the chaos that's going around you. Um, and that's what I took out of this chapter more so than anything else. A few other little bits and pieces, but, you know, generally that's what I got out of it. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris, that I sort of broke it down into two separate things, like be precise with your thoughts and be precise internally, but also be precise externally because a lot of it linked back to um, the, your thoughts and he was talking about, you know, if you're not going to be precise with your thoughts, then um, you're going to allow, you're talking about the, de the demons, now you've got me twisting my words. <laughs> <laughs> it's contagious. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even had a wine yet. This is a um, perfect subject for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, he talked about the fact of us creating our own inner, you know, nightmares, I suppose. Um, but if you just be precise, one, internally and two, externally, then the thoughts that you can create quite often will never even play out. Yeah, awesome. There were two lines that I like on, 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 uh, in the chapter. Uh, one is that when we talk to people, we, we, we think we know people, we don't, but we don't really see them across time. We just have, we have a look at the, that snapshot. And, and, and I think that that's how he's talking about a computer being just a lift in time as well. And, and the other thing that he says, when we look at the world, we perceive only what is enough for us to plan, what is enough for us to start thinking. And that, that's an amazing thing. And so 
when you try to be precise, you have to really be able to look way, way more than that. Just that single leaf of the tree, you have to be able to see the tree and see the forest and see the universe. And, and so, but it's impo impossible because we, we already as human beings, as, as we try to communicate, we, we only having a snapshot, apparently they say up to about between seven and 10, 10 bits per second. So, we don't get everything, you know, just like now. I mean, some of us might have air conditioning in the room, but it's only when I mention air conditioning, you're, you're paying attention to it, you know? So suddenly trying to be precise is a tough, tough uh, thing. What, what I really like, and, and that's where he got a lot of my interest is when he started talking about the, the, the relationship between a husband and a wife, right? which is really the end of the, the entire chapter. What do you see there, Chris? How do you understand that? No, you can't duck out of it like that. You said you really <laughs> liked it. No one else put their hand up. What did you really like, Thomas? Well, that's 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 Cameron's way of saying, hold on, I didn't read that. No, no I read it. I just <laughs> I just did a whole lap of carry-on hearing about it. Oh, is it? You so see, what, look, what, he, what did you see about it? Um, I think, again, it comes that look, I think, it, again, it comes back to that be precise in, in your communication. Is that if if we're not telling our partner what we want and what we need as a partner? Because look, uh, again, uh, I don't remember where I heard it. People are different in how they they want love, whether it's a verbal, a, a touch, uh, what you do for the person, how you go out of your way. So, so for someone, you know, a hug means more than someone cooking a meal for someone. Yeah. But if your interpretation is different to the other person's interpretation, you're on different levels. Not that they're higher or lower, but they're in different points. So I think that communication, number one, be precise in what you want. And one of the biggest things that I've seen in the past from marriages that failed, it's always communication. Always communication. I think the... Go on. He use... Oh, he's frozen or have I frozen? No. Have we got I, th I think his biggest point there was to use the analogy of the... Or the metaphor of the dragon in the room, we like to say the elephant in the room. Yeah. I think the whole thing can be summed up in if you've got an issue, say something, because if you don't, and it's not just marriages, he uses marriages, I think, to make a very strong point and make a lot of people have a good hard look at themselves. But it's yeah. every single relationship you have. It's the relationship that we've got here. If we've got an issue and we don't say something, well, in a month's time, that's going to be a real big issue. Yeah, and it's there, was, there was a point there, Ken, that he said that, You'll, you'll have a, an, an uneasy feeling that a lot of people don't take the time to work out why they've had that uneasy feeling. So sometimes before we speak, we need to think. We need to think, okay, hang on. Am I being unreasonable in my expectations? Uh, okay, so the missus just, I'm only using this for the relationship. The missus just burnt the dinner or she's cooked something terrible, but she's been working her ass off all day. So what do we react on? Do we react on our dinner's ruined or do we act on the fact that she's been busting her ass all day at work, rushed home to cook dinner for the family. Um, and we could take a, a, a step either side and there'd be totally different reactions for that. So what, what, what would be your reaction then, Chris? Cook instead. <laughs> I think there's two... my house anytime, Chris. It's... <laughs> There's two sides to the coin then, Chris. You're talking more about what happens when we actually do speak, where I feel like a big part of what he was saying is that most people don't speak until yeah, it's... Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, and that, you know, we can bring that back to work. We can bring that back to everywhere. It can be our salespeople. It can be business partnerships. It can be 
obviously marriages. It can be with our kids. You know, a lot of a lot of kids keep everything bottled up until they're sort of eighteen or sixteen and ready to ready to blow. And by then, it's way too late. And then you see is it. that came is that came a, a a cause and effect of the environment they've grown up in because they've not used to being sat around a dinner table and speaking about their feelings, speaking how they're feeling or confronting an issue that may have come up within the family. Well, I think it's, it's a, in a kid, in a kid sense, you're probably right. And in everyone else sense, he talks about the three types of people, the slave, the tyrant and the negotiator. See Thomas, I did read. Thank you very much. No, it's only one line right now. It took you 10 seconds. So a slave is always going to be a slave until they don't want to be a slave anymore. A tyrant's always going to be a tyrant until they get bored of being a tyrant. And then the tough one is the negotiation. I mean, the, the metaphor he used for all of it was a sexless marriage and um, the husband using it as an excuse to get fat and lazy. That's not why I'm fat and lazy. I just want to say that. Just quietly. Yeah, but we, we, we are all in real estate, in business. So how, let, let, let's... Let, let's take it now to the next level. So we understand in relationship how we need to be precise, how we need to really express our opinion from day one, from husband to wife, rather than let misunderstanding grow and then suddenly chaos start to grow and then after 30 years, it's out of control. So how, what does it mean in our little business, in our small family business or in a small business? How, how, can this chapter, how, how is this chapter relevant to what we do? I think you have to be very clear in your expectations to your staff from day one. From day one, they need to know the expectations. Yeah. Um, um, and by the same token, you need to have a, an open door policy where they can come to you with an issue that they may think. Maybe they feel that you're overbearing and bullying, or maybe they feel that someone else is not guiding them properly. I, I think there's, a, again, a two-way street. But again, that comes from example. I think, number one, st staff straight away expectation. I think it... The leader-staff relationship is just like a marriage because, well, all the relationships are like a marriage. But we've got to remember that we might have expectations of the staff, but the staff have got expectations of us. Yeah. Well, the thing is they can come or go at any time. Um, you know, it's about, it's about having an environment where you're teaching them and you're nurturing them and you, you're wanting to keep them and you're wanting them to want to stay as well. Um, but I think, you know, treating little things like they're big things in terms of if, if you are setting the expectations and they're not being met, then it, it gets addressed. If there is a culture there that you're, you've set and they go outside of that culture, then it gets addressed. But it, the same goes both ways. And I think Thomas brought it up last week. If anyone in his business ever caught him lying, then they got to call him on it too. Um, and it's got to be the same way for both that the staff, um, and the leader have that openness and the forum to do it. Like it, there's certain conversations that will be had as a group. There's certain conversations that will be had one-on-one, -on -one, but you've got to have that, um, those different um, forums for those conversations to happen. Yeah, the, the staff can't be slaves and the leaders can't be tyrants or vice versa. Everyone's got to be a negotiator. And what happens with the staff is if they do feel like slaves or do feel like they can't speak or just won't speak, then all they, you see them in the industry, they just bounce around from office to office, brand to brand. And you wonder if, well, if they'd just spoken up the first time, whether they'd have stayed put because I guess they're just waiting for someone not to be a tyrant. Unfortunately, it's a, 
big flaw in most human nature that if they see an opportunity to take advantage of someone or put the wood over them, they will. So um, as leaders, we've got to resist that urge and as leaders, we've got to be open to the, the door opening and the staff disagreeing with something that you might have done or said or... I think we've also got to, um, it's something I've had to learn a lot over the years is in, encouraging people to speak or um, how would I say it, getting like digging deeper. So you can have a conversation with someone. Hey, Kim, how are you going today? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, that's good. And you can move on. Oh, you're good. Oh, what have you been up to? How's Crystal? How's the kids? Oh, you know, not so good. This happened, that happened, whatever. So Cool. Have a good day. Yeah, so yeah, that's can, what happens, though, isn't it? You can, you can end it there, or you can dig deeper and dig deeper and get more out of them. And um, it, it happens very much in your one-on-one. So when you're talking to them, you might think you're going into a one-on-one thinking that everything's rosy. You might walk out of it thinking, "Holy moly, I didn't realize that that person was thinking that way or feeling that way, or that they had that suggestion about the business or that great idea that you know they've been bottling up because they didn't think." Um, didn't think to bring it to the table in a group forum or something like that. So I think it's as a, a leader, it's up to us to be constantly asking our team questions um, to, to learn a lot more about them, for them to lo- learn a lot more about us as well. Did anyone else just get a hail warning on their phone? <laughs> it hails, the hails are coming. The rains are coming, Marge. Rain for you. So what about then in a business relationship, business partnership or leader to manager, same story? You know, Thomas always speaks about that gloves off conversation. They have those gloves off conversations with in leader managers or leader leader meetings. I think if if you're scared of the consequences of someone, how someone's going to react, it's probably there needs to be a lot more work done previously anyway. Um, So there is that issue. I mean, I think there's bigger, bigger problems it's not about just being scared, Chris. It's um, it's not about being scared, but it's more or less you worry about hurting the other person's feelings. I mean, I, I most people know how I like to say things the way they are, but when you do this, uh, as I've done over the years, you, you, mate, what is it that they say in the end? Uh, they only remember how you made them feel. They forget yeah. what you say. So this is the bit. You know, I I can see it. ten. I've given people ten great bit of advices. Yeah. So it doesn't matter you gave them ten bits of advice. They still will remember the three times when they felt really lousy when you gave them the advice. So it, it, this is the bit. So how do you do it? We do you want to be precise? Do you give up? Because when you give up, there's no more precision in your in your speech, right? But most people they don't want you to be precise. They want you to make sure that. You are looking after their soft, their feelings. Okay. So what, but then doesn't it come? So where do, what's the basis though? Because you and ITL can say whatever we want to each other. And yes, we'll piss each other off. And yes, sometimes it hurts. And yes, yeah, yeah I piss you off. I piss you off and you hurt me. We've got the perfect relationship. But we... But we know they're the, but we know they're the rules, right? So whether it's five minutes later, ten minutes later, or a couple of days later, everything's fine, and we're back on doing what we're doing. But we know that that's it'll be happen. And in other business relationships, that's not the case because maybe there isn't that trust there. Where if you do say how you feel, it's going to be taken the way it should be taken, or the way. So how does how does it start? 
especially, I guess, for business partners starting out or business partners who are halfway through a partnership, you, if there's not that foundation of trust there that you can speak your mind, it can't happen, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I, I think that I probably would never start a business partnership with someone I can't talk to straight. So uh, I, I think that it's taken us a few years to know each other. And, and yes, you know, you, you have your quirks, and but you have strength that I don't have. And a lot of people, they always... We partner with, with people who are the same as them, but then it means that the two of you have got double d- double uh, the, the amount of uh, strength in the same field. Double the good and then double the bad. Yeah. And that's and that's wrong, but if you're going to really go for that kind of partnership where uh, you've got some strength that I don't have and vice versa, then for sure it's going to be... Uh, time for compromise time when you're going to have to sit down and have those kind of talks. But as long as in the end, we're always looking at the same thing, which is profit. Because that's what we're here for. We're here to create profit for the parliament, you know? I mean, I, I, I still remember I was having a, a discussion with with a chap and he was trying to say to me, oh, well, you know, I want it this way, I want that that way. And say, listen, I've only promised you two things, mate. Ton of work and ton of profit. You're going to work like hell? You're going to make great profit. That's it. The, the, the rest, the incident, really, if you're going to get into this business and you're thinking, well, I'm going to be my own boss and I'm going to take my time, then I have to be able to tell you the truth. It's going to take you 2,000 years to get there. But when you say that, they think, oh, he doesn't like me. He's putting me down. And, and this is the problem with business. And so when I was reading this chapter, I'm going, even, if, even with your wife, or with your husband, you can't even be precise in your speech all the time. How the hell do you do that in business? And how the hell do you do it with staff? And just lately, I don't know, during COVID, it's happening like all, uh, all over the place, but I have staff resigning in the middle of COVID. And two weeks later, uh, she wants to come back. What do you do? What would you do? Would you then say, well, I take her back? What would you do? Depends on the extenuating circumstances, man. Yeah, depends on the circumstances. Why did they quit on how did they quit? How did they quit's a big thing because there's a right way and a wrong way to do things in business. How do you quit, mate, in in, in lockdown? You just quit over uh, over an email. Was it a text message? An email. Oh, well, that's better than a text message, isn't it? (laughs) What's the hierarchy of shit ways to quit? Say nothing. I know a guy. I know a guy who quit by telling his boss he was going to the toilet and never returned from the dunny. They they searched the pipes. They they checked the sewage treatment plant. <laughs> We've all had those on opportunity days. People that go, I'm just going for a coffee. Yeah. Back, right? It was awkward as because then they all rocked up at the same race day, and he went, "Oh shit, you made it out alive, mate." I was worried about you. <laughs> how many how many of you that would take that person back? Oh, look, I've, I've, had, I've had someone quit and I, the door's still open for them, right? And the, it just depends on the circumstances. I think, I don't know, mate, you talk about your situation. If they think they've made a mistake and they come to you and say, I've made a mistake, and but they, you know, then you've got to work out, have you already moved on? Have you already filled the spot? There's, there's lots that go into it. It's not a case of, it's not a yes, no answer. I don't think you'd. You're asking a close-ended question almost because it, but there is no yes, no answer to it. I've had people who have quit who I wouldn't go near again 
for all the money or opportunity in the world. And then I've had people who have quit where I'd have them back tomorrow in a second. So it just depends on how, why, and what, I suppose. Yeah. I think my number one rule is very simple, mate. You quit during COVID. You telling me that you're, you're not right. Well, what if they're quitting during COVID, mate, because they're not right, they're struggling? Like people, people under pressure. Listen, I'm very precise in my communication. Yeah, you're asking the question, mate. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just throwing. It's in my precision. I just <laughs> it doesn't matter, all right? You, you, have, you have the phone. You have a lot of means to have a discussion, conversation. And, but if you have done it that way, to me, Mate. No, so if you quit, yeah. So the answer to your question is if someone sent me a text or an email to quit, see, I don't need to talk to you again. I'm, I'm probably a bit too fierce that way where I don't only not give you your job back, I'll probably never talk to you again because I don't need you in my life and that's maybe yeah. some, something I need to grow in. But if they, if they pick up the phone to you and quit or they have a discussion with you and give you notice and do all the things that common decency would suggest you do, then they come back to you, then of course you're going to have a different conversation. Yeah. I think that they, um, if, if someone's going to give you the respect or sorry, the disrespect of a text message or an email, that's exactly what you, they're going to do to your clients and the rest of the people in your business. They're showing that level of disrespect by not even picking up the phone to say, hey, it's not working sorry to leave you in the lurch or, you know, how are we going to end this? What are we going to do? I can work up until this date or, or whatever it is. Um, it's a different conversation, but if it's just a, an email, well, I think yeah. the answer is no. Well, I think in the time of lock, time of COVID, Thomas, it's, it's pretty hard because when in normal times you're there five days a week, nine to five or whatever the hours are, and you, you've got more of that one-on-one time that you can spend with people and you can feel a little bit more on how they're going and you can pick things up. They may have a stronger voice in their ear at home during that period that's sort of making them make the wrong decision. So sometimes it might be a bit hard just to say, just because it's during COVID, I think it comes back to what Meg said. It depends how they did it. And it depends on the relationship, you know, before lockdown. Um, they may have made the wrong decision because of that voice, the other voice that, you know, the stronger opinion they've got that they're living around they're seeing that nine to five more than you were previously when at work. So let's, uh, let me ask you this then, Thomas, I'll go back the other way. So October's World Mental Health Month, and we've talked about a lot on the podcast and about checking in with people and the struggles that people are having during lockdown. Surely that factors into the decision-making process. A lot of people, a lot, I'd say the majority of people aren't of 100% sound mind at the moment. Everyone's got demons. Everyone's got a little little voice on their shoulder telling them silly things because of the situation we've all been put in. So does that person, if it's not in the middle of lockdown, still quit via email? Or have they been put in a position, like have they been put in a state mentally where they, for whatever reason, thought that was the... Yeah, but I, I, think, I think, listen, I, I can't stand uh, in that person's shoe but because they may have, they may... I. I I still would say if I was to work for someone, whether I'm right or wrong, I think I need to look at what's decent. You know, if, if you're doing a position that is important, what's decent is to say, hey, listen, I'm not right. I'm thinking, half going. 
how do we do this and how would you like to do this transition? When, when you just send an email and here's your two weeks and then after, and afterwards you go over there and you just realize you've done it wrong and your ego was wrong and, and, and you were a bit greedy and all that stuff and you apologize, I'm sorry. I, I'm thinking, when's your next one? Yeah. You know, because the way you left, you, you obviously were in the right mindset. You, you said it yourself, it's about greed. You said it yourself, it's, it's, it's about ego. And, and you're letting us down because you know we, we needed your input. And so, and, and now you're asking this, mate, your input was, was removed and changed, it changed hands within three days. And so you, I have to think, I'm taking a person like that back. When is the next time there's going to be greed, the ego coming back up? And when I really need you, you're going to just pop it. I don't think it's a question that can be answered anyway, because I think if you asked, and I've, I've seen this recently myself, when I let somebody go, there was people who were more than willing to take them on, even though they'd done something fairly egregious. Um, in it. So at the end of the day, it comes back to your values and your standards and what you expect from people. And you've got no obligation to feel sorry for people or to take, well, you can feel empathy. You can feel sorry for them, but that doesn't mean they have to become a part of your organization again, because your it wouldn't matter to you what three of us said, you're, you've already lost the trust, right? So if you're already thinking what happens next time, things are tough, the relationship's stuffed anyway, no matter how much you paper over it and band-aid over it, you're always going to have that thing in the back of your mind. Um, I always wonder about that when people say clean slate. is It's never a clean slate because you never forget. You never, ever, ever forget, regardless of whether the, the deed still hurts you or still cuts you up the way it did at the time. Maybe not, but you never, ever, ever ever forget and as soon as you're given reason to suspect again you will so that's that's not a working relationship that can happen i think, you, I think you look at it two ways you look at um the skill set of that person and you know within a two-week period even sometimes when someone gives notice you may not necessarily replace that exact same position that you had because you might look at it and go okay we had person X doing this certain role, but now that person X has left, I'm actually going to restructure the business a little bit because I don't think we need that exact role carried out anymore. Maybe we need it to be slightly different or maybe someone else in the business could take on part of that role and then we create something different from it. So I think it gives you the opportunity to um, always have a fresh start when someone goes. Um, but two, the other part of it, like, so one is their skill set and would you want them back for their skill set to do that role again or do you not need it anymore? And two is, um, what does your gut say? If your gut says yes, then do it. And if your gut says no, then do it. I think, I think you've got the, I think you got the order reverse, Megzi, because I think you've got to go to the gut first. You can't let someone's skill set override your values and your standards and what your body's telling you. I mean, but that's yeah, that's what I say. You're going to get different answers from different people. I, you know, I, I sacked someone a month ago, and I had people chomping at the bit to hire him because he was bringing money in. So the people willing to sacrifice their values and everything they stood for just for a couple of dollars. Like, so I think, yeah, yeah. and if I did it in your way, and when I oh, skill set first, skill set first, what money is you bringing the business first, profit first? Oh, and then what's my gut telling me? I think you 
Yes. No, I wasn't necessarily saying it had to happen in that order. I was just saying there's the two things that yeah, you would consider people. as to whether you were doing it or not. But I, I'm, let's go back to the chapter though, of being precise. So, so let's let's imagine that this person was precise, and I, I, obviously you had to read. If, are you working for a leader or are you working for a boss? You're working for a boss, a rat bag that's going to fire you as soon as you open your mouth and say, listen, I'm thinking. They don't open your mouth, right? But, but if you can see what your leader has got in terms of uh, track record, the, start, the kind of person he is, then you, you, should, you can bet too that you know, it's okay to open up. But let's go back now. I'm using this, this example, but let's go back to the relationship between a husband and wife. A, a wife has an affair or a husband has an affair. Should she be, he be precise and follow what the manual says, the book says and, and open up? Yeah, I'm asking you three. <laughs> There's two other people here. Eh? Should he be precise in how he's feeling about what she just did? Yeah. And, and, and no, no, no. So he doesn't know. Should she say it so that, yeah, all right, I want to start on clean slates? I mean, all of these things we just spoke about, yeah? You, you've either, she's either got two choices. He's either got to come clean or live a, live a lie. It's one of those two. Yeah, but coming clean... Is that really going to be precise or is that going to be the be beginning of real chaos? Well, that's being precise with your words, but that's not, you can't control the consequence of that, can you? Well, what did it say previously? Slate's the never going to be clean. Life is chaos, right? The slate's never going to be clean. If you're in a relationship where someone's been caught doing the wrong thing. I'm taking it to the, to the next level. I'm trying to question his chapter here. Yeah. Should we always opt for that kind of precise, transparent communication all the time? Look, when your wife wears a dress that you're not 100% happy with, sometimes you shut up. <laughs> Simple, right? When That's not very precise. <laughs> does, it, does it go back to the thing that we were talking about the other week, though? Like, um, oh, God, what was the chapter, the title of that one? Be... Basically, if you can't speak the truth, don't speak at all. I think we ended up, we renamed the chapter. Don't lie or at least. Theme. Yeah. Yeah. Don't lie or at least. Or at least don't lie. Always tell the truth or don't, at least don't lie. Yeah. See, it, it, it's actually, so I, that's why I'm questioning it. Otherwise, I thought the chapter. It's ridiculous to think that you have to, in every, you should in every single situation, especially when there's no harm to either side not be completely exactly like Chris said. There's no reason to tell someone you don't like their fucking haircut. It doesn't gain anything for anybody. It doesn't help you or doesn't make you feel better about yourself because you're going to hurt the other person. It doesn't make the other person feel better about himself. So, you know, I think there's levels to it 100%. But then I ask you that, T.L., because you're pretty strong on lies, mate, and a lie is a lie is a lie. So... No matter how big, how small, you tell me all the time you don't like my haircut and you don't care about my feelings. So that's yeah. not a lie. <laughs> no, but that's what I mean. So, you know, what level do you take it to? I, I, 
you know, I'm very, very, very firm on people lying to me, but it's lies that have consequence and lies that are. Yeah, but do you have to be so virtuous that if you found out a friend, a friend was cheating on his wife or vice versa, a friend's wife was cheating on him, would you then go and breach the subject? I mean, would you have to be so virtuous in that script? It depends you know, whether you're friends with the cheater or the cheatee, I suppose, if you but is it your is it your place? Is it your job? Is it is it? A, I mean, we we have our values, and there's something we wouldn't do. But then, because that's our values, then do we have to enforce those values on others? Well, then you get down a slippery slope. Because what if you know your mate's beating the shit out of his wife? <laughs> I'm serious. Well, wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a mate for very long. That's for sure. No, but that's what I mean. So we're talking about exactly the same thing. So yeah. where's where's yeah. your line drawn? Yeah, oh, that's 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 okay. I'll keep my mouth shut. Oh, but no, you can't do that. Well, hang on. Yeah. Where does it? Where does it land? Thanks, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> very very interesting chapter because uh, he he could have really gone in so many directions. I I don't really understand being precise in the in your speech. I I. I I don't know whether it is something you want to do all the time. Um, I, I I don't know. Uh, I think in the in the instances he raised, you probably do need to be precise in your speech. So if you've got issues with your marriage, you need to talk to your partner about it. Otherwise, it's going to snowball. But he doesn't allow for the stuff we're talking about either. He doesn't. He's yeah, I think in a business partnership, if you've got problems with your partner, best that you talk about it. If you've got issues with your staff, best that you talk about it. But even then, there's issues with your staff and then there's issues with your staff. If you told them every little single thing you wanted them to do better, you wouldn't have any staff. Yeah. Been there. I think you can't expect people to read your mind. So if you're not happy with something that's happening and you expect it to change without you speaking up, that's probably where this chapter comes in its best use is if it's either one, something that you're not happy with or two, something that you want to, you know, you want to discuss, then those are the times to be precise more than ever because mm. you can't expect that things will change if you don't say anything about it. Great, oh, that is all. That is all. <laughs> That's it. Let's, let's get it done. All right. Thank I'll you gonna... for this chapter. See all you right. soon. I've got to go save my car from the hail. I'll be back. Bye. 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 Bye.